This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. Hello and welcome back to the City Report podcast. I am Amos Murphy. And I'm Alex Brotherton. We were meant to have Adam, but he's had. I'm not. I'm not too sure. I've not had a communicado official or a, uh, an official statement, but there was an issue with his with his young pup last night, so he's, he's getting some much needed sleep. So, Alex, you were planned to be here, but it's just the two of us, and hopefully, this podcast will last longer than a Chelsea managerial reign. Which um, I don't know about you, it, it took me back a little bit. Thomas Tuchel getting the boot. Yeah, I, I was I was pretty shocked actually. I was I was actually in the middle of recording um a different podcast this this morning. Um, yes, I'm I'm two timing. I apologize. Oh, um, oh, no. But yeah, and there was some there was a, a Chelsea fan doing it. Cause it was like a general sort of uh, football chat, and yeah, she was she was absolutely shocked. Like she was just speechless yeah. when the news broke in while we were, we were recording. So yeah, it's um I guess you can't be surprised. That Chelsea would do such a thing, but mm. you kind of felt maybe it was a new era where they weren't going to do that kind of thing. But um, yeah, it's pretty shocking stuff, really. I know, and all all I've seen so far this morning, when the news broke, was pictures of him lifting the Champions League aloft. And I feel as if, as a football club, Manchester City have to take responsibility for giving him. I suppose if he hadn't won the Champions League, he may not have even lasted that long. But to think that his his shining moment in a Chelsea shirt or in a Chelsea shirt in the Chelsea dugout came at City's expense, that will still forever haunt everyone. I suppose it was it's as dark a day as we've had. Yeah, I um, I actually I think I've seen that same video, but where it's the, the moment the final whistle goes and all the Chelsea mm. players are celebrating and the City players are, are slumped on the pitch and that. I haven't seen that since the day <laughs> that yeah, it happened. Yeah. Seeing Aguero yeah. um, start oh. crying is um, oh. something I'd forgotten about. But I, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't really want to see that again today. But I know, um, yeah, yeah. It's Ho- hopefully it, we won't have to see it again. Um, I guess we'll use that to to jump on straight onto the the Champions League talk um, involving City. But before we do, quickly another bit of City news: Kira Walsh looks set to leave for Barcelona. Getting the bad stuff out of the way first. World record fee. Bitter, bitter blow. Um, for me, probably player of the tournament in the European Championships. She obviously played that ball to Ella Toon for England's opener. Has wanted to go before, but has been persuaded to stay at the club. Um, but now, given the sort of the summer City have had, I think last time you're on, we were speaking about City's women's team missing out on Champions League football. 
it's going to be sad to see her go because she's been a City supporter her whole life. She's been at the club near enough, her whole professional career, and, and yeah, an absolute world-class talent and one that um, bigger and better things, I suppose, that's the only shining light. Yeah, it's it's another sort of a bit of a blow to what's... Another blow, I should say, to what's been a weird mm. summer for, for City women's team. Um, I'm particularly disappointed uh, because, well, selfishly so... Um, I'm I'm going to the City Arsenal game on Sunday for work. Yeah. Um was very much yeah. looking forward to to watching Kira Walsh in the in the City midfield and now she's um leaving for for warmer climbs. So uh yeah. Yeah, it's, she's an incredible player and obviously people that didn't already know that saw that for England um at the Euros she was instrumental part of the Lionesses uh triumph and just yeah, got that incredible assist for uh for uh, Ella Toons goal uh in the final and yeah it's it's a blow for city but i guess it's in the sort of grand scheme of women's football it is a massive transfer it's going to be mm. a, a world record fee um so i feel like for you know building this momentum and and wider interest in women's football it's perhaps not a bad thing but for uh manchester city it's definitely not a good thing but yeah she'll she'll be she'll be brilliant at barcelona it's the best probably second best I guess given they lost mm. the Champions League final to Lyon but um, one of the top two teams in the world um, and she's more than talented enough to to play a central role for them so it will um, be really interesting to see how she gets on Yeah, obviously one City midfielder getting the move to Barcelona another not in, in Bernardo Silva but it's been a tumultuous season pre-season, sorry for City Lucy Bronze has gone Jill Scott, Georgia Stanway, Caroline Ware Ellen Wyatt these have been mainstays for... A good number of years, and, and some of them sort of products of, of the club, and, and have been with City since sort of five, six, seven years. So, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see that that game on on Sunday evening, kicking off against Arsenal at the Academy Stadium. Um, right, okay, let's move to Spain, which I wish I was saying as a realistic sort of thingy, but no, it's just a, it's just for us to chat about. Um, Sevilla nil, Manchester City four. City continue with a winning start on match day one of the Champions League for the fourth consecutive season. 2018-19 was the last time City didn't win their opening game against Lyon. Um, so let's start by looking at City's performance. And, and I mean, there's not many takeaways you can potentially sort of take away from that, apart from the fact that it was incredibly comfortable and, and about as comfortable as you could hope for on match day one away from home at a toughish opponent I guess we'll say yeah I mean I think everyone knows that Sevilla haven't had the best start to their season you know heading into the City game that they hadn't won any of their four um, opening La Liga fixtures and they were coming in off a 3-0 home loss uh, to Barcelona despite playing fairly well in the sort of first 15-20 minutes of that game but ultimately the kind of things that we saw City doing were exactly what Barcelona had done a few days before where you know Sevilla just had no answer to City's sort of uh, very incisive attack. Um, mm. Erling Haaland was doing what Lewandowski did for Barcelona a few days before. You know, they just couldn't handle him in the box. And yeah, I thought it was another obviously great outing for for Erling, big Erling up front. You know, mm. that that first goal, obviously, you know, the, the, it, the magic starts with Phil Foden's little ball around the outside for De Bruyne to, uh, to run onto. But the cross is just, you know, it's the kind of cross where we're so used to it now that it's it's just inch perfect, but kind of doesn't register because that's just what mm. Kevin De Bruyne does. But it's the kind of ball that okay, City have scored a lot of goals that way, but you know last season and there was perhaps times where that kind of cross would go begging because there just didn't happen to be a midfielder that had made the right run at the right time. Whereas now with Erling Haaland, you do get the feeling that he's always going to be there in the six-yard box to get onto those kind of crosses. As long as that service keeps coming, he's going to be mm. in the right place and nine times out of ten, he's going to put it in the back of the net. Um, so, it was, yeah, it was just a great finish and and um, and obviously he got his second, while it's probably one of the easiest goals he'll ever score, um, he's still got to be there at the right time. And that's, the, that's another kind of goal where you can imagine last season or the season before when Aguero was injured or not in the team, that, you know, Phil Foden has that shot, the keeper spills it, but mm. there isn't actually anyone there to put mm. in the rebound. Whereas because Haaland's there, like, he's always going to be there to, to to sort of make the most of those um, sort of opportunities. So that's obviously, to Haaland was great. Again, I thought his link-up play, again, proved all the sort of doubters wrong, that he isn't just this 
big lump that scores goals up front and does nothing else. You know, he's he's a very technically gifted footballer. Um, he could have had an assist for Kevin De Bruyne if 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 Yassine Bono hadn't made that good one-on-one save um, in the I can't remember if it was first half or second half, but um, yeah. So I thought it was all round. I thought it was it was a pretty good pretty good performance. I thought. Um, I know that after the game, I don't know if we're going to come on to Phil Foden, but Guardiola said he's not putting his best performances recently. Mm-hmm. But that goal was just, you know, the very best was, of Phil Foden. Sublime. There are a yeah. few players that can create something out of nothing like that, but do it with such sort of tricky footwork and sort of bamboozle elite level centre backs by just sort of dancing around the ball, fake shotting, going the other way, going back the way you just come. And then putting it through the defender's legs in the one bit of the net that mm. a rather tall goalkeeper isn't going to be able to reach. So it's mm. yeah, I mean, we, we know how good Phil Foden is, but I think you know he. There's been a bit of bit of nonsense spoken on on social media recently about you know Foden not passing, Foden being bad, yeah, yeah. overrated. But you know he's he's put that to bed. But on the whole, yeah, good performance for defensively. It was defensively was solid. Akanji looked good. Gomez looked good. Um, so yeah, and to my knowledge, no sort of injuries or anything picked up. So I thought it was a, a rather rather good way to kick off the um, the Champions League campaign. Yeah, nice little uh, Tuesday night trip to Seville, which um, extremely jealous of all those all those supporters who who managed to do that. But yeah, um, it's one of those games, really, isn't it? On Football Manager, you set your team up, you press play, and you just sort of watch the the beauty unfold. It, it, there was never really any jeopardy for City, which we kind of predicted obviously in our preview show with Adam we spoke about Sevilla's start to the season how bad it had been but there had been moments in those games where you thought potentially they could have been um, picking up a, a, at least a win because they, they still are winless but they, they didn't really do themselves much justice did they you look at the team sheet when it came out around an hour or so before kickoff and, and you're looking at it and you're going that's a fantastic team if the year is 2017 or something like that because the amount of players in there who were sort of you know mainstays at elite clubs you've got even Rakitic you've got Isco um and you've got other players in the ranks who have have done really good stuff in their careers not necessarily sort of torn the world apart but but you know been useful footballers uh Adnan Yanazai coming off the bench he had he had a decent spell with Real Sociedad but but put them together and it was it was a tough watch until Possibly they brought Rafa Mir on in the second half. I didn't once watch that game and think, yeah, Sevilla have any sort of attacking threat. They had spells, but I don't think they lasted more than five minutes. And I mean, obviously, Tuchel's been sacked. Domenico Tedesco from RB Leipzig has been sacked. So it's sort of the, the flavour of the day. Um, sacking managers after after heavy or bad Champions League defeats. Lopetegui must be thinking, dear me, what have I got to do to get myself sat? Because even though he was animated, he does not look like he's enjoying himself at the moment. No, it's, um, yeah, it's it's not really going well for Lopetegui. Um, it's the, the performances of, it's kind of been the whole of 2022, really. It's been a, a fit, fairly dramatic drop-off from where they were when they won the Europa League in, in 2020 mm. and then the following season. And really last season, up until the beginning of this year, they were... Um, they were the side that looked most capable of of beating Real Madrid to the title. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. they just completely fell away, and yeah, it's not it's not great. There's a growing sense that the sort of it's it would be best if you know the, the club and 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 the manager sort of parted ways. Um, that it's just not really working. That they're playing too conservatively. The fans aren't enjoying the football they're playing, and now the results aren't coming either. So, mm. um, yeah, it's a tricky one for Sevilla, but you know there are. They're a big club and they'll be back, but this isn't this. This was not Manchester City were not the team they really wanted to face at, no, at no. this moment in time. So um, yeah, it's 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 a tricky one for them. But um, I I wouldn't be surprised if Lopetegui is is on the way out in the next sort of I don't even know could happen any minute really. But in yeah. the next few weeks at least, if things don't immediately improve, I think I've some sort of sources have said that. Um, I think they're playing Espanyol this weekend. Yeah, and yeah, they are. It, that's been sort of he needs to get a result, otherwise mm. that the Monchi and then and the the uh, Sevilla board may may decide to call it time. 
Yeah, um, Andy Brassel of the Football Ramble Parish, oh, I was listening to him today, before coming on here, and he said, you know, he'd be massively surprised if Lopetegui was in charge for the return, well, it's not a leg, is it, but the return match, mm. which is uh, match day six, so it's the final group stage game on the 2nd of November, and that is, I mean, if he, if he weathers that storm, what's that, just under two months, he'd have done a good job, because... It was as if they set up for for not even to sort of take points, just just not get hammered. And in the end, I think that the supporters who were vocal and you know they've got a strong fan base in Seville, but um, they, they were they were sort of content with the two nil, three nil, fair enough, good team, etc. But you could hear it those jeers and those whistles when that fourth goal went in in added time. It was the it was right, okay, what the absolute fuck's going on here? But did you really expect any different? Probably not. Um, we'll, we'll do the the contractually obliged Erling Haaland chat. I know you've touched on him a little bit in terms of this performance, but in just it, it, in terms of the Champions League itself, because it's a competition he seems to absolutely thrive in. Um, he becomes the youngest player to score 25 goals in the first 20 games of his Champions League career. Compare that to record scorer um, in the competition, Cristiano Ronaldo, who didn't score a single goal in his first 20 Champions League games which when I saw that I, I was I, I had to double check because that's that's mental because 20 Champions League games is like what three seasons really for a decent run two seasons so that was uh, that was pretty mad um, but when he arrived at, at City Alex he spoke about how much he loves this competition I think it was can't remember the exact question, but he, you know, he, he made a point of highlighting how much he enjoys playing in it. And if we didn't know already, we, we know now that he's a man built for the absolute biggest of stages. Yeah, it's it, there's just so many crazy stats, isn't there? I think mm. I can't remember the exact figure, but I think it was something like uh, only I think there's only twenty uh, something. I think players that have scored more goals in the Champions League. Than yeah, 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 and yeah, but I he's only played yeah. twenty games. <laughs> yeah, some yeah, of these guys have played, you know, fifty, sixty games. So it's yeah, yeah it's just yeah. um, yeah, it's he's 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 obviously well, he's a player for any occasion, isn't he? I mean, mm. I, I think Guardiola and is starting to get a bit fed up about the questions of you know, <laughs> is Haaland going to win you the Champions League? Are you going to win the Champions mm. League this season? But and obviously, you know, the the success of Manchester City doesn't rest solely on on Erling Haaland. There's you know, City won plenty of trophies before Erling Haaland and mm. they haven't, well, obviously they haven't won yet, won yet with him in the team. But um, yeah, it's, it's it does seem that something, you know, one of the issues that maybe did hold, or did, maybe not hold them back, but did bite City last se- in last season's competition was perhaps not taking the chances when mm. they were presented to them. And obviously talking about that semi-final against Real Madrid, you know, to be honest, scoring four goals at home against Real Madrid should have been enough anyway. Mm. Obviously, City's defence wasn't in the best of shapes, so they still conceded three. But they had the chances to score six or seven. And I think, you know, if, if that happens again this season and they have a match where they have all these chances, you, you can't bank on them taking more of them uh, with Haaland in, up front. So, um, yeah, he's um, obviously he loves this competition. And, yeah, it's, um, it, it's I'm struggling to think of a... Of a defense in Europe that would would you know at least stop him from scoring at all in well, a game. Bournemouth, Bournemouth, quite clearly in Europe. In Europe, <laughs> in Europe you know. Oh, in Europe, yeah. Well, <laughs> the, 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 the close the enough to France, the close enough yeah. to France really aren't need to be. But if you Europe. can, but if you can stop Erling Haaland from scoring, but you still concede four. Yeah, does it yeah. really matter? That, yeah, that, that, that's <laughs> but, yeah. the point, isn't it? Because Bournemouth yeah. triple quadrupled up on him essentially to make sure they took him out of the game but then obviously Kevin De Bruyne Bernardo Silva Gundogan etc they did their thing and, and that's the problem when you're trying to set up against City I wouldn't want to be a manager that's why you have the reports of managers sort of sharing Zoom calls and, and looking for ideas to stop him um, going back to what you said about where he is in the list of all-time scorers he, he moved up to not quite into the 20s yet but he's 38th position but he shares that with quite a few people so it, it, it sort of scours it a little bit um but he went above with his 24th and 25th goals went above the likes of Luis Figo, Gonzalo Higuain, Raheem Sterling, Sadio Mane in terms of having scored more goals and obviously considerably less um appearances as well he, he's now level with one Edin Dzeko in terms of Champions League goals which apparently he only got three in a City shirt which I find 
a little hard. Well, I do find it hard to imagine. I can't remember it. Maybe didn't well, we weren't. As... To be fair, we weren't great in the yeah yeah in true. two of his two of his Champions League seasons at City. But, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he got fifteen at Roma, which is incredible. Um, but also level with Robin van Persie too. So he's in. Is in fine stead, and what is the record now? It's Cristiano Ronaldo with 140. So, uh, just what, just under about 120 to go, Erlin. Um, some other talking points from the match then. Uh, really impressive debuts for Manu Akanji and Sergio Gomez. It's difficult to assess their performance defensively. If I'm going to be hypercritical, when they were tested defensively, I, I think there was a run, a sort of crossfield run, maybe from Rafa Mir. Can't quite remember who it was for Sevilla and Akanji got caught out but that was more due to what happened beforehand and that's literally the only flaw and what was an otherwise impeccable performance from from the pair of them really yeah um i was yeah i was i was pretty impressed with with the kanji actually i thought you know guardiola said he he trained for one and a half days mm. before making his his city debut so it's not very long at all, yeah. really, but um, well, it depends if it's yeah. a full day because that'd be that'd be quite the training session. If <laughs> a twenty-four hours training session, thirty-six yeah. hours. Session, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think even Pep Guardiola is that obsessed no. with the Champions League to, to do that. No, um, but yeah, I thought uh, like obviously it's it just looks like to, I know it's very early days and this is perhaps jumping the gun a bit to make a a full. Uh, sort of form a full opinion on him after one game against a team that offered very little in terms of attacking threat. But I thought Akanji looked very composed on the ball, both mm. on his left and right foot. And something that I noticed, which not all of City's centre-backs do, is that obviously City play with this um, positional play model, which obviously means that any player in theory can sort of move to a different zone in the pitch if, say... The, the whatever phase of play dictates. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw quite a few times, like on paper, I'm pretty sure, I think Akanji was on paper was the right centre-back. But quite a few times you'd see, you know, if City had tracked back and he'd be on the left side of the centre-backs and, and Diaz would be on the right. And I know that sounds like a, a little thing and it obviously the fact that he's very two-footed helps, but I do think that's that can be quite important because, you know, it's, you got a sort of, in a way, it's not quite as, um, I guess it's not quite the same. But say like a left back switching over to the right or a right to the left, you know, it's hmm. or everything you do in the passing lanes and the the combinations that you've worked on so hard in training do change a little bit when your position changes. And I just thought he looked so comfortable on either side, um, more so than, for example, if you know if Nathan Ake or Imerit Laporte, who are both pretty left footed, like hmm. I don't. You, you never really see them sort of just pop up on the right side of yeah. the centre-back pairing, do you? Like, And I just thought it's, you know, it's, it's it seems a really astute piece of business, actually, to to bring in this guy, which as essentially as a panic buy, because City weren't mm. planning to buy a centre-back. It was only when um, Ake and Laporte were out at the same time that they then started looking around. And to find someone who was in the last year of their contract, so was available for only £15 million, pounds, um, mm who is very good on the ball, is comfortable with both feet and, yeah, just looks very comfortable already in, in Guardiola's system, having only been there for a few days. Um, just looks like great business. So, yeah, I thought it was good. Um, there'll be greater tests to come, of course, uh, as there will be for Sergio Gomez. I thought um, I thought he looked pretty, uh, pretty comfortable. Can't really say much about his, you know, the defensive side of his game. Apart from, I do remember he, I think he hauled down Isco or someone at, some point on the, on the left yeah, flank. Yeah, it's quite early um, on, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. At that point, you're thinking, oh dear, it could be in for a big night. But yeah. That, there, there was nothing really nothing really to test him. Yeah. But I, I thought going forward, I thought like, I, yeah, his crosses look really quite decent. I don't, I don't recall any sort of, mm. you know, wasted balls really. They were all fairly dangerous crosses um, into, into to, like towards Haaland in the box. I thought that it's, it's great now that City... Obviously, they had Zinchenko last season, but now he's gone and Gomez has come in. They still have this option to have a, a natural-sided left uh, left back who, when Grealish plays on the left wing, can go around the outside and offer that sort of unpredictability yeah. to City's, the left side of City's attack that 
has looked quite narrow when it's been Grealish on the left and Cancelo at left back, given that they're both mm. right footed. Um, so I just think it's um, yeah, it was it was it was interesting that he was offering that down the left hand side, and, and yeah, I thought he looked pretty comfortable, made some nice passes, um, looked like he again he was very he's a very technical player clearly, and he looked comfortable doing the sort of passing triangles and the the phases of play sort of linking up with Bernardo and and, and Jack Grealish. So yeah, I thought it was uh, again. It was a good performance. They'll be great at defensive tests to come, of course. But yeah, I think for both of them, they they look pretty at home in um in in this game where City did dominate the possession and and sort of controlled the game from start to finish. Certainly, um, some some numbers on their games. Uh, Sergio Gomez completed sixty two of his attempted sixty nine passes. Akanji seventy one out of his attempted seventy nine. And, and I think I can't remember exactly how what what percentage wise that is, but I think it's around the nineties. I, I seem to remember them both having exactly the same. So yeah, really, nine, really, nine yeah, really comfortable, comfortable debuts. Um, on, on a kanji, it, you, you're right. It wasn't something City wanted to, to sort of even planning in that late in the window. But you, it does make you wonder why no other club who have been sort of like looking for centre halves this market. You look at the money Chelsea have splurged on on centre backs alone. Why did nobody take the risk on this guy? And and it, I suppose it is a risk. City have the benefit of him coming in as a quote-unquote, fifth choice behind Ake Laporte, uh, Diaz and Stones, of course. Um, but but he, he just looks as if, I think Adam said it on a, on a message to me, he looks as if he's been there his entire life in terms of his, his footballing career. He just looks so comfortable. And yeah, City had a lot of the ball. Yeah, he made a lot of passes, but that's sort of how most City games go. It's very rare, bar the, the top, top, top games against Liverpool, even Tottenham will get onto, or, or, or you know, top six game or in the Champions League. That City don't have a lot of the ball and, and not a lot of the time is spent defending. And if it is, it's 1v1 and he's he's quite clearly agile and fast, so um, can cover ground quite well. You, you mentioned Phil Foden. Um, for me, even though UEFA didn't give him player of the match, he was the man of the match. He, he absolutely he had a, a much-needed performance for me. We dispelled any worries that we may have over his performances. You mentioned the social media um wasn't backlash what would you call it just the sort of discontent a little bit the idea that he, he may have been stalling for me it was a case of saying well he's he's had such a meteoric rise that you're getting to a point now where his returns are going to sort of level themselves off until he make, makes that next step in the next three four years or so but he is still only 22 years old he doesn't have to be challenging for the Ballon d'Or just yet but he must have had that podcast on during his way to the Ramon Sanchez Pijuan Stadium because he, he was playing like he was a man with a point to prove. And I guess a lot of that could be down to the fact he was coming off the right. And it wasn't that sort of, as you mentioned, little, you know, that clunky left hand side with Cancelo coming inside as well. And, you know, not having to really, really hold the whip for City. But it was a blistering performance, a goal. Probably half assist that shot that fell into to Harlan's pass. It doesn't go down as an assist, but it was a, a sort of uh, as as good as one really. And and yeah, for me, like I said, player of the match. Yeah, I thought it was it was great. Um, his his best performance of the season, I think mm. is yeah. it's safe to say. And um, yeah, I mean, it's he's such a talented player, and I think maybe I think part of this sort of. Um, the chat and, and the criticism of him this season is kind of spilled over from last season where I thought he was very good last season, but he didn't sort of attract the attention that he did in 2020, 2021 because yeah. he was largely playing as the false nine a much more kind of selfless um, sort of gritty task than when he was on the left wing and he was taking everyone on and he was going on amazing dribbles and, and scoring quite a few of those, you know, strikes from the left-hand side of the box into the bottom corner. Um, last season, he was playing as the false nine. It was it was just a bit less noticeable. He was, you know, creating chances for other people more of the time. And, and obviously now he's not playing as the false nine mm. and he has had a few sort of below-par performances in terms of his sort of passing and, you know, not being quite in tune with, with what City are trying to do. But, I mean, obviously he's, he's a supremely talented footballer and with his goal, he showed that... Um, and I thought, yeah, it's just sort of with every game, his sort of link-ups getting better. And I think, but it's interesting though, what Guardiola mentioned after the game, um, when he was, obviously it was a bit of a surprise that he said that 
Foden's not played too well this season because I mean, apart from maybe one or two games, I think he has. But you know, it's you can't argue with with Pep Guardiola. But um, yeah, yeah. I thought what was interesting was that he sort of said, well, Foden can have these games where he doesn't play particularly well, but he just keeps going and he keeps going and he keeps going mm. and he'll run forever if you let him. If the game lasted a whole 24 hours, I don't know if he'd get tired, to be honest. Like he just <laughs> looks like he can, you know, if something's not happening, he won't. his head won't drop and he won't just kind of, um, you know, he, it's very rare that he has like a complete stinker. Like he might have bad phases of games, but he just has this tenacity and this will mm. to, to succeed and, you know, to... If an attack breaks down because he makes a poor decision or he misses a chance that he shouldn't do, you know, he'll be back a few minutes later to go again kind of thing. And I think that's such mm. an important quality that Guardiola obviously admires very much um, and is the reason why, you know, well, I don't know, we've seen we've seen Riyad Mahrez barely get in the team in the last month. Um, mm. And I'm, this isn't intended as like a, a dig or anything at, at Mahrez, but he perhaps doesn't possess the same kind of tenacity and... Uh, will perhaps that that Foden does and I think maybe that's why you know Foden is much more likely to keep his place and, and that's exactly what he's done because he's just you know just going to keep going and going so um yeah it's a, but it was a great performance and hopefully that's the springboard for more really great performances and you know it's it's great that he is he has now had a few great performances on the right wing rather than just the left because I always felt that you know he was brilliant in that um 2020-2021 season but there's so much more to his game which I think you know eventually we hope to see him as a number eight because that's you know that's how he came up through the academy mm. Guardiola obviously doesn't think he quite has the you know perhaps the the pausa um, to borrow a Spanish phrase mm. the um, ability to put your foot on the ball control the tempo not always go at 100 miles an hour and just attack 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 but I think when he was on the right and he can cut in a bit more you do see more glimpses of what he can do as a midfielder rather than a winger. Um, so hopefully, if he doesn't play much in midfield this season, hopefully we see him more on the right wing than the left because I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the comments because we had a question from Manai J, which basically asked, what did you make of Pep's comments? And and it was a lot of what you just said. And, and um, to sort of elaborate, he was basically saying, you know, Foden has not been playing so good lately, but when he does, he, he always does his job. And I feel as if that's probably a byproduct of his upbringing as a footballer. And when you've had somebody who was since the early years of their life has been involved in this system at Manchester City and they've come up through the the academy and they know what it means and I don't mean this in a sort of like cringy you know what it means to play for the club etc but but he's invested so much of his life in this football club you are going to have a little bit of more of a sort of an emotional connection on the pitch as well and and someone like Riyad Mahrez who you know hasn't not necessarily been renowned for his off the ball uh work at, at times but but he, there's other players there as well who who potentially that the heads drop a little bit or if the game's won then they're not going to be chasing balls but for Phil Foden he's obviously connected to this football club and, and we await confirmation of the imminent um new contract but it's likely that'll be a a part of it for for many many years to come and it is it it is disappointing for me when I see people criticizing him because he can be whatever he wants to be in football and I guess I suppose that's probably why people do they expect so much from him but at the same time at 22 years old it will take a little bit of time and he's still finding out his best position we don't know if he's going to be a left winger right winger or like you say a number eight Personally, I'd love to see him in that in that midfield a little bit more. Just even if to just sort of dispel any any doubts, or, or even say, you know what, chalk it off. Yeah, he doesn't necessarily have the right qualities in in this city team to play in midfield. But but he, yeah, like I said, he can be anything he wants to be in football. And and I guess what what made it work really well. And and we'll move on to to another another player now, Jack Grealish. Um, that's that was a really nice return for him. I felt I love him. I mean, everyone else has their own opinion but but this is is firmly an anti jack grealish slander zone for the for the sort of the, the main part until he, he gives me a reason to think otherwise and we've discussed a number of times he's not 
uh, traditional forward. And I think with both Foden and Jack Grealish, you have to sort of disconnect from the idea of, of what wingers are and essentially see them more as midfielders because... For me, that 45 minutes for Jack Grealish against Sevilla in the first half was the perfect illustration of what he brings, aside from from goals and assists. Because how fluid City looked in that in that in that spell, and he just knits stuff together that I think City have probably been missing the last three games, especially when things potentially are going for the other team, which we didn't see a lot against Sevilla. Granted, but just that ability to stitch an attack together, keep the ball moving from side to side, and and yeah, it's great to see him back. And and I wouldn't be surprised if he starts on Saturday against Tottenham. Yeah, I'd be I'd be very surprised if he doesn't start against Spurs. Um, partly for the reasons that you just said, but also because. As Guardiola has said quite a few times in the last few weeks, Grealish is one of the attackers, or probably his best Guardiola's best attacker in terms of making the extra pass, yeah. keeping the ball, um, and like not kind of rushing the attacks. Which he's spoken about it a bit with Haaland. It's you know Guardiola said after the game that um, sometimes this is a direct quote from Pep, he said, sometimes mm. we want to rush so, so quick because Erling is there. He has this attraction about him. We want to attack it, but sometimes we have to make more passes. And what he's talking about there is that, you know, there's just this, you see a bit with Kevin De Bruyne, like it's as, as amazing as that connection is, every time De Bruyne got the ball last night, he was looking for Haaland. And, you know, mm. the problem mm. when that happens is, okay, you score lots of goals, but um, the quicker that you attack, the less time, you know, the other City players have got to get into those positions behind the ball in case the other team wins the ball and tries to counter-attack. So the quicker you attack, the quicker the ball comes back. And that's just a, a basic principle of, of oppositional play. It's just and how Guardiola wants City to play. Whereas with Jack Grealish, sometimes people get frustrated because they're like, oh, why has he played that extra pass? Or mm. why has he not played it in there? But it's all part of the system and the tactics. You know, okay, it doesn't work all the time. Sometimes you need games where you counter-attack quickly and you take your chances quickly and get it. If Haaland is about to make a run in behind a defence and there's 25 yards for him to run into, maybe 30 yards, you play the pass. Mm. But sometimes mm. it's good to have Grealish who will make sure the team's set up right. It's pretty, his decision-making is getting better with every game, I feel. you know When mm. to make the pass, when to take someone on, uh, when to shoot, like everything basically. So I think it's that's one of the biggest qualities that he brings. And I think he was missed, particularly at Newcastle, where yeah. Pep said that City were just attacking so quick that they weren't then ready to deal with Newcastle's counter-attack. And obviously, that was a problem because Alan St. Maximan was in such good form that day. But if you think about Tottenham, how they played at the Etihad last time in February, you know, Son Heung-min and, and uh, Dejan Kulusevski, and then obviously Harry Kane up front, they are an elite sort of counter-attacking side. And I think the way to combat that, or at least try to combat that, is to have people like Grealish in the team on Saturday. Mm. Um, you don't City don't want to go into that Tottenham game attacking at 100 miles an hour and slinging the ball forward to Haaland at every opportunity <laughs> because yeah. they are not as well equipped to counter-attack as Spurs are or defend no. counter-attacks. So, no. yeah, I think I think he'll play on, on Saturday. And, yeah, I think it's... Hopefully, I think slowly but surely, hopefully he'll prove the doubt was wrong because I think he's he's going to have a good season, Grealish. Yeah, yeah, and I'd make the case, and perhaps I'd be wrong here, but I'd make the case that he doesn't have to prove anyone wrong. And, and I get, yeah. I know exactly what you're saying, but um, apart from goals and assists, and, and my my caveat, immediate caveat, is that City won the league last year. You know, does does it matter? He played a part in that. Um, he scored goals. He's got a big one at West Ham to sort of start that comeback back and, and City don't win the league if they don't pick up points there because I, I have no doubt Liverpool go on and beat Wolves 10-0 or whatever they needed to do but I, I, I'm more than happy I just love watching him play and, and I think he's almost like you take you take Bernardo Silva's dribbling ability out of it because I don't think there's anyone in the Premier League who's a better dribbler in terms of tight spaces and, and making sort of wriggling through defences. But he's a very similar attacker when Bernardo Silva plays on that right hand side in, in the sense that he is just calm on the ball. And it's interesting that I know a lot of people have been sort of wondering if he could play that number eight role. But um, on Sky Sports the other day, I was watching Aston Villa's successful playoff winning final against Derby County. And he was playing in midfield as he did a lot for Villa. And it was a lot of that 
high pace, high intensity, attack at all, all opportunities. And granted, it was a final, so they're a little bit more different. But on that left-hand side, you essentially have the best qualities of a top, top midfielder, but in an attacking position. And and he creates chances. It's not his fault people don't put those chances away. I think it was in the first half. He got two, he created two chances, which was the most of anyone on the pitch. And there was a, there was a lovely ball into, I'd like to say Kevin De Bruyne, possibly someone else. And he create, you know, he, he's so good in and around the box. And yeah, um, fingers crossed that he can, those people who do have doubts where I would say wrongly, fingers crossed he can, he can prove them wrong. Um, right. Okay. We're getting on a little bit. So quickly, Calvin Phillips, um, if you're going to make a 12-minute cameo in a in a Champions League game to make your debut in that competition, doing it like that, completing 100% of your passes, um, 14 out of 14, five of those accurate long balls, is probably the best way to do it, isn't it? Yeah, it was a it was a nice little return to action for Phillips. Um, yeah, I seem to remember in towards the end. Well, obviously he came on with 12 minutes left, but he made. Um, they weren't just you know like easy little little passes mm. like I'm pretty sure t- at least two of them were, were quite sort of sweeping crossfield diagonals that took the pitch the, the ball from kind of like inside his own half to the sort of the one of the wings um so they were pretty impressive passes that he was he was pulling off and I mean there shouldn't really be any surprises we've all seen how good he was for Leeds yeah. over the last few seasons and uh but yeah it's it's good that the um the shoulder injury he picked up in that friendly at Barcelona hasn't perhaps derailed his confidence or sort of shaking him up mm. too much. Uh, because, yeah, I think, obviously we know Rodri is going to be the starting holding midfielder most of the time, but it's obviously it's very important that the City have uh, someone of Phillips's quality to come in and uh, and sort of do the job. And obviously last season they had Fernandinho, who, incredible player, but last season he was clearly a bit he's past his best. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's great that, then their new backup option in Phillips is is back to full health and looking impressive when he does get his minutes. And um, I'm sure he will get as the fixtures pile up and yeah, he, players yeah, get yeah. tired. And who knows what happens at the World Cup in terms of injuries and stuff. So he'll he'll definitely get his he'll get his minutes um, in, in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, he will. Um, and with Fernandinho last year, it felt apart from the end of the season where he was sort of hoisted upon the team because of, of necessity more than anything and playing all sorts of different positions it felt in the first sort of three quarters of that season he was getting a lot of token minutes sort of like just being thrown on for the sake of it in games where the the jeopardy was completely taken out of it and granted that was the case um, against Sevilla but it, it was it was an encouraging performance for me he, he really he looked at home in that sort of quarterback role and now I, I don't watch a lot of NFL and, and American football so I may have completely butchered that but at that sort of position where he's sitting deep and he's comfortable spraying balls out wide or mm, he's comfortable yeah. making things stick over um I don't know the scenario where he'd come on and really make an impact, but he's, for me, I think it, it, sometimes when, when City aren't playing well, you sometimes look further deep as opposed to just saying, like, throw Julian Alvarez on or throw Riyad Mahrez on. I could see some point in the season, if City are chasing a goal, Calvin Phillips being the man to come on and, and just sort of making things click a little bit more into gear. He's clear, obviously, he, he's from the same mould as a Guardiola player who was essentially manufactured by Marcelo Bielsa, but you can tell He's a he's a natural fit, and and um, I'd love to see him play more more minutes because he's one of those footballers you just enjoy watching. Um, I think for me, probably the the epitome of that before Kevin De Bruyne was someone like Tony Cruz, and I'm not saying for a second Calvin Phillips has the ability to go on and be nearly as good as him, um, but he's that sort of same midfielder. And maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm a little bit like Pep and I have this sort of thing for midfielders, but he, he for me, I do really enjoy watching those sort of players. Finally, on Sevilla, we've had a question from Joel MCFC. Um, why do we use the third kit more than the second? I thought the numbers of the kits were supposed to be the pecking order, which is an int- it's, a, it's a left field question, but it's an interesting question before we move on to Spurs. Because, firstly, what did you make of the maroon shorts? For me, oh, I, I don't know. I think they'd look much better with white socks. I thought the blue, maroon, blue looked a little bit. Burnley looks a little bit Scunthorpe mm. United, looks a little bit mm. Aston Villa away kit. Secondly, will City ever get to wear their lovely red and black away kit or is it just going to be the 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 sort of the, the B-stripe forever and more? 
Yeah, I thought it was more tra- Trabs on Spore, actually. But, Trabs on Spore, there's another uh, one. Yeah, I don't know. I, ca- I couldn't really decide if I liked it. I think I, I err on the side of not liking it, mm. but I also didn't think it was like offensive or anything. Still preferred it to the third kit. Um, yeah. But yeah. I, yeah, it's... I don't know, is it is it not just been... Well, obviously, they couldn't wear the, the red and black away kit at Villa, mm. obviously, because of and Villa's West Ham as well. They yeah. couldn't wear it at I, West Ham, I, and they couldn't wear it... Could have worn it at Newcastle, but they wore the home kit, so that's fine. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I don't really know actually when they'll wear it because <laughs> I, I know, guess you well, know other teams that play in predominantly in white. May um, I don't know, maybe in theory, I suppose they could wear their home kit away at Spurs, but maybe they'll they use it done. then. Yeah, but yeah. obviously in the twenty eleven twelve, when that that game where Jacko scored five goals, they played they played they in did. their red and black stripes. They did. Uh, they did kit. So. Yeah, it's maybe it's just destined not to get many outings because yeah. there's not actually that many teams that don't have some red in their kit or maroon in their kit yeah. or or black in their kit. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe it's just one of those, it'll be one of those rare collector's items in years to come where we, we see it listed on classic football shirts and it says <laughs> the home shirt from when City won the quadruple and but yeah. they only wore it twice or something. But yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, I think more than anything, it's not necessarily the red that's the problem. It's the it's the black. Um, these, these are cities next sort of few away games. Wolves away, they obviously wear orange, mm-hmm. and you could wear it there. But it's the black shorts and socks, it's, which is the problem. Arsenal and Liverpool, there's absolutely no chance. That's 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 a non-starter. Leicester, maybe, but you, yeah, possibly, possibly yeah, I think Leicester. they could wear it. Leicester, yeah, so possibly we're looking at that as the debut. But but other than that, the next one you're potentially looking at is Leeds United on Boxing Day post World Cup. So it does feel like it's a it's a kit that isn't going to be used a lot, which is a shame because it, it looks so good. I'm warming to the third kit, but still, I, if it, more than anything, it's the gradient pattern that I find a little bit off putting. It just looks. Mm. Looks a little bit like you've let your child on go on MS Paint, Microsoft Paint, and and just sort of like mess with the tools. But yeah, um, right. Let's let's ready ourselves for this then, because it is Tottenham Hotspur at the weekend. The curse of Manchester City that that is so often reigns supreme over the club. Um, they meet once again the Saturday evening kickoff, which I mean the omens aren't looking good. That was the same kickoff slot um, last season when when Tottenham came and and, and all that sort of nonsense happened. Um, just one win in the last seven Premier League games for City against Spurs, which I don't know off the top of my head, but that has to be the worst record for for them against any club. Maybe Liverpool, but there have been a couple of wins against Liverpool um in that time. But but yeah, it, it's not great, is it? And how confident are you that that's something something can change on um on Saturday evening? Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's pretty awful really, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's not great. I'm not really that confident, no. Um I'm just and yeah, and I guess like the the injury to Kyle Walker is another factor which makes me nervous because mm. yes, he did play in that game in February and yes, he was awful. But <laughs> by and large, like when he's playing well, Kyle Walker is one of City's main sort of safeguards against counterattacks. Yeah. And um just and Jao Cancelo doesn't offer that same protection. Um so that makes me nervous. Uh and I know Son Hyung Min isn't really in the form that he was last season, but still a very good player. Dejan Kulisevsky as well is is excellent. And obviously then you've got obviously hopefully Ruben Diaz can fare a bit better against um Harry Kane this year, because obviously he didn't have the best of games either back in February. Mm. But yeah, it's I don't quite have the same sort of nerves I do when we're going into a City Liverpool game. But because of what happened last uh, last season at the Etihad, it's uh, I am a bit nervous. Um, mm. I think like if you offered me a draw right now, I'm always a bit of glass half empty. But I think I'd take a draw if you offered it. Join right the now. club, yeah. Um, join the club. <laughs> let me let me ask yeah. you this then: if if you had the opportunity, sort of deal or no deal, to I don't even know if people not from the UK will know what deal or no deal is. I'm sure the, I'm sure it did get over to to the states and places like that. But essentially, I mean, if, if they deal, follow, sorry, if they follow Burnley's Twitter account, then they'll know yeah, what deal yeah. or no deal is. True, about. true. They've had a great summer, by the way. Um, <laughs> if if you were to have a, a swap opportunity, if the banker was to ring you and say you can swap Tottenham this weekend to play Liverpool instead, would you be sticking or would you be swapping? Yeah, I think I'd 
I think I would, which sounds absolutely ludicrous. But I think what, I would. What you'd swap? You'd swap? Uh, or you'd stick? Oh, I think I think I'd. Oh. It's so hard. You rather play Liverpool, Liverpool are coming. I think I'd rather play Liverpool. I know they've they've well, sort yeah. of come back into it. In I, the think last few weeks, yeah, I think I would say. Yeah, but just because of their minute, their midfield is so lightweight. Yeah, and I f- I'm not sure if Thiago's back yet. But you know, you'd fancy but, City to kind of dominate a game where uh, against a midfield made up of James Milner, Fabinho, yeah. well, you'd and, hope so. and Harvey Elliott. Yeah. So it's yeah. yeah, yeah, I would swap. Yeah, I would. You'd hope so. Um, but well, that sort of shows you where we are with Tottenham, and it, it doesn't. I mean, Tottenham have had a great start to the season. The one of two unbeaten teams along with City. Um, April 2019 was the last time City beat Tottenham in a season that wasn't behind closed doors and and read into that as much as you want to. Phil Foden on the score sheet, obviously, just days after that traumatic Champions League exit at the hand of uh, Maurizio Pochettino's Tottenham. Well, at the hand of of Llorente, quite literally, that day. Um, (laughs) From one striker... Yeah, from from one sort of below striker to a couple of world class ones, it is going to be battle of the strikers this weekend, isn't it, Alex? You've got the tried and tested Lord of the Realm, Harry Kane against the invading Nordic challenger in Erling Haaland. Um, feels like Kane has taken his game up a little bit since Haaland arrived. I don't know if that's just me sort of reading into things, but he never usually has a strong August, and he, he's had a quite a few goals. I was listening to an episode of, of Wright's House, which is um, Ian Wright's podcaster. Quite astute Premier League striker, you'd say. He knows his, his bit about football and scoring goals in particular. And he was saying that it's true when a new kid comes around, no matter what your level, you do want to perform better than them. And I'm sure Harry Kane will have been watching Erling Haaland start the season in fine form and going, you know what, this is you know this is my house. Get out, you know you, you don't you don't turn up here and, and start doing all that sort of nonsense. So he's going to be relishing Saturday's game, isn't he? he? He often scores against City. He's been the scourge of City in the past, and and yeah, he'll, he'll be wanting to steal the headlines away from from Mister Erling. Yeah, I mean, I think by and large with elite players like Harry Kane, it's obviously first and foremost they're just focused on winning games, scoring goals, mm-hmm. um, and, and whatnot. But but I think that obviously there was that narrative like in the game in February where it was Tottenham's first visit to the Etihad since City had tried to sign Harry Kane and, and failed, yeah. obviously. And after Harry Kane had said he wanted to go and then it fell apart and he said he was staying. Um, and I think that does... While the main motivation will just be that it's a football match and Harry Kane wants to win because he wants Tottenham to win, there there will be a little motivation. Like there was in that game, there was perhaps a motivation to you know prove to his supporters that the past is the past and he's fully mm. committed to Spurs. Now there might be a little bit of him that, you know, just wants to remind people that, you know, I know we know that there's this guy that's come in and scored 12 goals in his first seven games for Manchester City, but <laughs> Harry Kane is still an excellent striker and he's going to be mm. wanting to show people that, you know, he's still the best striker in the Premier League um, and just show everyone like, you know, what everyone already knows that he's just an incredible elite goal scorer. So I think it's, I hope it doesn't turn into a into a shootout kind of gunslinging mm. end to end match yeah. because that's Basketball. not good for the nerves. But um, or City because you feel like Tottenham yeah. fail that yeah. sort of game. Yeah, but I, I'd be pretty surprised if they don't both get on the score sheet. I think it would have to take one of the teams to have a bad performance for them not to yeah. both score. I think if they, if both teams turn up, then um, you'd expect them both to to bag, wouldn't you? So yeah, it's going to be really interesting and uh, probably a. A lesson in sort of forward play, I guess, mm. for anyone that's mm. watching, really, or kids or whatnot. So, yeah, it mm. should be good. Yeah, yeah, definitely two strikers, probably the best two in the league at the moment. That That's one end of the pitch. Then to finish off, we'll take a visit to the, the opposite end of the pitch for City. Um, it was Cancelo on the right, Sergio Gomez on the left um, against Sevilla. Balogun's wrote in and, and sort of, more than more a statement, more than a question. But if we're able to continue Grealish, Harlan, Foden up front, which I think we unanimously agree is probably the front three City will operate with on Saturday. How do you pair it with the fullbacks? Do you go Gomez at left back and Cancelo again for that width? Obviously, Kyle Walker is missing, or do you throw in Nathan Ake at left back as a more assured option? Yeah, it is a bit of a dilemma, isn't it? Because I think you're right that Nathan Ake would be a more assured defensively sound option and mm. you'd kind of think up against players like Son and and Kulisevsky and Kane and Richarlison you you want that solidity but then I can just envision envisage a game where 
if it was Grealish on the left wing and Ake at left back, then City's attack just wouldn't wouldn't be living up to the potential that it has, and it can all get very frustrating when, mm. especially Tottenham are playing with a back five. You do need, well, back five in defence because they play wing backs, don't they? But mm. when when Guardiola said before, when you come up against teams like that, you need the wingers to pin the wing backs back so you can create spaces down the channels. Is Nathan Ake <laughs> going to do that? Possibly, no. but but oh, I Grealish. Well, I mean, Grealish can, yeah. but he's no. Obviously, sorry, not um. Obviously, it'd be Grealish. It's the winger that's pinning back. But I just think, I just think with Sergio Gomez on the left, you just get so there'd be so many more many chances. I just feel, and yes, it's a bit risky because obviously he's a good defender. Like he won't be at City if he didn't know how to defend. Mm. But he's probably not as assured as Ake. But um, yeah, I think I'd I'd maybe take the chance to have a more sort of incisive attack and, and go with Gomez, I think. That's interesting because for me, I, I think of Nathan Ake's best performance last season and it was against Atletico Madrid in the first leg of the Champions League at home. And that is like the uber back five. That That is about mm, as true, back actually, five yeah. as you can imagine for mm. for, um, for for world football. That that I mean, it, it's, it was almost a back seven at times and, mm. and that's not even a, a sort of an exaggeration. And he did really well. He did really, really well. And, and he does have that ability, you feel, maybe an under under sort of appreciated quality, quality about Nathan Ake is, is his ability on the ball. And I, I for, for Gomez's sake, I think if you put him in there against the... Uh, a Tottenham team who who are so fluid in attack. I know Young Son hasn't scored or even assisted so far this season, which which guarantees him at least one or two returns on Saturday. I just think you you do have that little bit more insurance, and and you know if if we know anything about Guardiola, it's the fact that you probably go completely the opposite way and play Phil Foden at, at left back. <laughs> but um, but I, I do feel as though Nathan Ake against Atletico was so impressive against that back five that that I would possibly possibly pick him for the sake of yeah. everyone else involved and I know what you mean Nathan Akeva and Jack Grealish on the left hand side it doesn't exactly scream um, you know high pace high intensity attacking but I don't know I just feel like that's a bit of a risk for City down that side yeah no I completely see where you're coming from and perhaps but then I guess perhaps fitness might come into it obviously Ake's fit otherwise he wouldn't have mm. come on uh, off the bench um, the other day but you know I don't know. Is he is he is he ready to start a sort of a such an important sort of high mm. high intensity game? I guess. I mean, he probably is, but you know that might be something to consider. Um, and I suppose I'd probably say that until he got injured, Ake was probably City's best centre back this season. Yeah, for sure. For and sure. so, do you maybe you want him in the centre rather than having to put him out on the wing, or maybe it's too soon to have a Kanji play at centre-back up against someone like Harry Kane when he's only been at the club five minutes? I don't know. It's There's so many questions and I yeah. don't envy um, no. Guardiola for having to make them, uh, make these decisions. But it'll be fascinating what, what what sort of team he comes up and it's I think it's guaranteed to send a few people overboard as, as it always does. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it, this Tottenham game? Um, I'm always someone who, who would rather go into a cryo chamber and wake up sort of hours after the Manchester derby in fact days after I would happily if I could ban City playing any team it'd be United regardless of how good the the games have been I just cannot stand those 90 minutes but apart from that Liverpool obviously for the for the occasion but Tottenham is just a game that I don't think anyone of a City persuasion really enjoys and it's weird because they've had so many different managers. They've had Pochettino, who's taken points off City. They've had uh, Nuno Espirito Santos, who, Santos, Santo, who took points off City as well. And now they've got Antonio Conte, who's doing the same. They are a club very well built to take points off City. And we'll wait and see how that plays out on Saturday. Um, it could be the last ever episode, if it's any nearly <laughs> as traumatic as it was last season at the Etihad. But let's hope not. Um, Alex, it's been a blast it's been a pleasure thank you very much and yeah superb chat yeah thank you for having me i've been i've enjoyed it as usual and yeah hopefully hopefully city get the job done get the job done that'll do won't it um i've been amos murphy i've been joined by alex brotherton of course as always hit follow subscribe rating and a review if you can we'll be back after the tottenham game to review that and look ahead to brush your dortmund in midweek until next time see you later
Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.